Welcome back to another episode of We Watch, We Collect, episode number nine. Uh, I'm here with my co-host Chris Rivera, and he is rocking a very nice-looking hat today. Hola, Castañon. It is so good to be back with you recording, and thank you. I have my Washington Nationals Cherry Blossom City Connect hat on. I'm happy to finally add this to my collection, and uh, it feels so good to wear it. Yeah, it looks really nice. I was handling it earlier. It's really nice. Thank Pretty you, badass. sir. Um, but as far as baseball goes, we have a lot to go over. Uh, go over our series picks recaps. I had the Padres and the Giants, and you had the... Mariners at White Sox. Yeah, so we'll go over that. Go over our teams because something very significant happened at the Giants-Padres games, but we'll get into that a little later. Um, But there's a lot of news that we need to go over. Kind of missed a lot. Kind of been off for like about over a week. Yeah. But yeah, we have a lot to go over. But I guess we could start with going over our series recaps. I had the... San Diego Padres going against the Giants at San Francisco. Padres ended up losing the series 1-2. Giants took it 2-1. First game, kind of just nothing really significant about it. Padres won 4-2. That was on April 11th. That was a Monday. Second game, though, that one really kind of stood out to me for one particular reason. 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 Because, you know, I'm a pitcher guy. You Darvish got hit pretty damn hard that game. Did he? He got pretty. Damn, I can't even talk today either. <laughs> I'm a little upset. I'm very upset. But we'll get into that later. We'll get, I'll get into that later. But I'm very upset today. But you Darvish got hit pretty hard that game. Only went one and two thirds. Eight Oof. hits. Nine runs. Nine earned runs. I could have one home run, only two strikeouts, and two walks on uh, 57 pitches. So he pitched quite a lot in that inning and two-thirds. And bullpen kind of took over, didn't really get any better. Uh, Giants ended up winning 13-2 to that game, <laughs> which was, yeah, that, that kind of hurt. Alex Cobb went pretty well for the Giants, five innings. It seems like five innings now is the new normal for starting pitchers. So far this season. Which I'm not that big of a fan of because now, of course, five innings qualifies you for the win. Six innings qualifies you for quality start, which a lot of pitchers like quality starts. Yeah. They really factor that in Cy Young voting is quality starts and innings pitch. So if you can't get either, that kind of sucks. Yeah. But either way, uh, Alex Cobb, five innings, four hits, two runs, two earned. 10 strikeouts and two walks. Cobb, so Cobb is pitching really well so far this pitch year. Pitched really well. And uh rough outing for Darvish. Really rough outing. Yeah. Very, oh, man, that was brutal. That's brutal for him. That was, yeah, that was the Tuesday game. That was April 12th. This was the third game, which um, Logan Webb, by the way, uh, with a 1.29 ERA, went eight innings. Giants won. 2-1, mm-hmm. went eight innings, four hits, one run, one earned, and it's the only run that the Padres scored, seven strikeouts. 
That is a quality start. That's a very quality start. Eight pitches are eight eight innings pitch, ninety six pitches total. So very good start. And Sean Manaya, which he made his start, even though he has a one point three eight ERA so far in the season, went six innings, two hits, two runs, two earned, six strikeouts, two walks. But that was the only two runs that the Giants need to pull off that win. Yeah. So either it was great bullpen by the Giants uh, to hold them, which uh, Duvall came in and kind of finished it, um, or bats were a little cold to start. So, or the rest of the game anyway, they just got cold. They scored uh, all those runs in the first two innings. So uh, later on in the game, didn't really matter with the bats anymore. Everyone kind of went a little cold. But uh, Giants ended up taking that series 2-1. Uh, even though Giants are right now currently 11-5 and and Padres are 10-6. and And right now the standings look for, for their division that uh, Giants are still in second, 11-5. Rockies are 10-5. Padres 10-6 and, and they're in fourth place yeah. as of right now. We called it. We we said that's probably going to be the most competitive division. Competitive for three teams, for, not for the Colorado Rockies, which came out of nowhere and I, decided to win. I agree, and it's like we'll see what the Rockies can do moving forward. But I still think it's somewhat of a miracle that they even beat the Dodgers in that first series of the season. You that might have like really like pushed them. I think so. Like, you know what? We can beat the Dodgers and we can win. Yeah. But it's early. It's only 16 games in for some teams, 17, a little less, but who knows how long this little luck can roll out for. Um, we'll get into our series picks. Cause I do have one of these teams for my next series pick, uh-huh. but ultimately uh, uh, giants took down the Padres to one. Very nice. Can I ask you a question about this particular series? What's that? Do you think this proves, not just from last year, but just in general, how not only the Giants compete, but beat the more favored teams in the Dodgers and Padres because they grind out wins like that, especially the third game? And uh, second, I want to hear your thoughts about this uh, relief pitcher for the Giants, uh, Duvall or Duvall. Duval, yep. And I've seen him pitch, and he seems to be somewhat of a, uh, not an experiment, but kind of like a work in progress because he's a young arm. Right. But uh, he's got some decent stuff from what I've seen. Yeah, that is, what's his name, what's his name, what's his name? I Wow, I cannot find him anywhere. I believe it's Doval or Duval, D-O-V-A-L. Yeah, give me, give me one second. Because Dove, Dove, oh, uh, Camilo Duval. Yeah, he's still relatively new, right? Uh, yes. Okay. But yeah, uh, uh, so far, I mean, he well, of course, he's out of the bullpen. Pitched seven and a third inning so far, three point six eight ERA on seven hits, two run, two earned, which pretty much one of those just came from by the Padres. So five walks. 1.67 whip, not great. Uh, but opponent average at 227, not bad. But so far, so good for him. Yeah, and just to my first question, like, I just think this series, even though it's an early season series, 
There's going to be plenty more in this oh, yeah. National League West, but I think it's just a signal that Giants are just a very good team with very good pitching, and they're very tough to beat. I think so. Mate, if as long as they keep this going, they they're going to ultimately prove that last year's over a hundred win team wasn't a fluke. Yeah. Because I know everyone right now is thinking, ah, that won't happen again. It's a fluke. But right now, they're kind of proving it that well, they can do it again. Yeah, that's. Do what I think they're going to do it again? I don't know. Still, way too early. Like I said, only seventeen games in the season. I have no idea. Absolutely. Way too early. Absolutely. But you see the signs, you know, like yeah, they're they're doing what they're doing last year, pretty much as you said, and it's just. Yeah. We'll see what happens, but, you know, a good baseball team is a good baseball team. And you know what? Big ups to Gabe Kapler for letting his pitchers go past six innings. So, good on that. Logan Webb, damn. Beast. All right. So, uh, you have your series. You have the Mariners in Chicago. Yes. Southside Chicago. Yes. So, what you got for that? So, this series started on Tuesday, April 12th. Um, I'm going to do my breakdowns just a tad different from yours because I'll, I'll be similar, but I just want to be kind of thorough with mine. Okay. I'm still work in progress, so bear with me. But yeah, this was um, the starting pitcher for the uh, Mariners was uh, a young thrower by the name of Matt Brash, who was making his major league debut against Vince Velasquez, Ooh. former uh, Philadelphia Philly. And uh, this game was uh, particularly interesting because of Brash's pitching. He got his first K in his career, who was Luis Robert, on a knuckle curve. And immediately after, he struck out Jose Abreu with the same knuckle curve for his second K of his career. And uh, to open the scoring, Eugenio Suarez uh, hit a solo home run to open the Oh, that's right. He's a Mariner. Yeah, it's still it's still <laughs> weird to see okay. when I was Go watching ahead. this series. Go ahead. Um, he had uh, his first... Uh, no, he had a, a solo home run to open the scoring on the top of the second. And uh, that was a 1-0 Mariners. And, um, you know, Luis Robert made a really nice running catch to keep runs off the board on the top of the third. And then eventually, uh, Reese McGuire, former Toronto Blue Jay, got the first hit off Matt Brash. With a single, but Matt Brash was has such a short arm delivery, and his um, work rate was like really fast. That eventually, um, Brash was uh, told to uh, not kind of slow down, but um, the White Sox hitters called for timeouts multiple times because he was delivering so fast. Oh, give me a break. Get in the box. Get ready to go. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a big advocate for if the pitcher is ready, don't be adjusting your gloves 50 times. Don't be tying your shoes. Don't be doing all that stuff. Get in the box. Get ready to go. I love pitchers that burn it in. Let's go already. I agree. And I think you like this thing. He's got such a cool name too, Matt Brash. And you said he was, he was his first star rookie? Yes. And he's telling like having players call time on him yes that's good man yes and his delivery on his breaking balls were are like so impressive uh like i said not only does he have a fast work rate and a short arm delivery but he was fooling these white Sox hitters with these breaking balls the motion of his breaking balls particularly his slider and knuckle curve were just dropping off the table and fooling not just Luis robert and tim anderson and 
and uh, Jose Abreu, but pretty much all the other White Sox hitters. But, uh, you know, uh, the White Sox bullpen eventually took over for Vince Velasquez, and Reynaldo Lopez had a really great release uh, relief effort in the fifth and sixth. And um, <clears throat> I forgot to mention, uh, Tim Anderson ended up tying the game after uh, Eugenio Suarez's home run. Because um, for like three straight plays, the White Sox were sending like missiles to J.P. Crawford. And he made, um, I wouldn't say errors, but he just couldn't catch these grounders, dude. They were like zipping past them. And and uh, these White Sox hitters were like aiming for J.P. Crawford. It was really funny to see. It's but, like uh, softball. Pretty like if you know you're, there's a guy out there that can't really field it, like you hit it to him. Why not? Pretty much, but uh, uh, Tim Anderson ended up tying the game on an RBI single. Luis Robert ended up hitting a solo home run at the bottom of the sixth to take a 2-1 lead. Going into the top of the eighth, Eloy Jimenez hit an RBI single to make it 3-1 White Sox. Jesse Winker hit an RBI single to make it 3-2 in the bottom of the ninth, but for the most part, uh, Sousa, Ronaldo Lopez, Aaron Bummer, Kendall Graveman, and Liam Hendricks really kept the Mariners in check and uh, the White Sox ended up winning the first game 3-2 um, moving on to the second game which was a delayed game on Wednesday April 13th there was a rain delay for about 47 minutes uh, we had Robbie Ray versus Dallas Keuchel um, Ty France uh, hit a home run on the top of the first but uh, Eloy Jimenez tied the game in the bottom of the second with a solo home run but, Chris, I can't tell you how not only was it windy this game, but there was a strong drizzle that turned into a downpour for about half a frame. And in the bottom of the uh, second that the White Sox were pounding the ball against Robbie Ray. And, like, they made not just solid but hard contact that uh, they eventually uh, scored four in the bottom of the second against Robbie Ray. And once again, they were ripping the ball past J.P. Crawford. And it was not just a, a constant drizzle, but it, it got really heavy. I'm surprised they didn't call a delay, but uh, the White Sox t- took the lead there. I wonder, well, just real quick, because I'm looking at his stat line now for Robbie Ray. Yes. I don't know if he if they left him in for too long or how, how spread apart these runs were, but he went six and a third, ten hits, six runs, six of them were earned, three home runs, yes. four strikeouts, and two walks. Yes, that's I a, wonder if they left him in for too long. They kind of did because that, that bottom of the second was rough for him. And um, just to go back to uh, the scoring, uh, the Mariners did score two off Dallas Keuchel in the top of the fifth. And, oh, you should have seen this play, Chris. In the uh, top of the six, Adam Engel had this beautifully timed home run robbery of Jesse Winker in the drizzle at Guaranteed Rate Field in the south side of Chicago that was just picture-perfect timing and jump and catch. Like, Adam Engel knows how to play the wall. And it was such a gorgeous catch in the rain. But, uh... It was a master catch by Adam Engel. But uh, Tim Anderson ending up hitting a home run in uh, 
as well as uh, back to back home runs. Tim Anderson and Luis Robert off Robbie Ray. I think that's what chased him. Which is when they scored was in the six. Yes. Two runs in six. I believe yeah. so. So he, they scored uh, four in the second. He might have maybe left him out there because they didn't score until the six. They probably left him in there for a little too long. They probably should have taken him out. I in that so. case, five innings probably would have been it for him. Or actually six would have been it for him. I agree because Robbie Ray looked really pissed off after that bottom of the second. So the fact that he they went, had the lead, he had they had the win. He had, he was in line for the win already, but he gave up those two shots. Of course, puts him in line for the loss. So that's probably why he was pissed off. Yeah, and um, you know J.P. Crawford had an RBI single to make it six four, but still White Sox. But Liam Hendricks comes in for the save, and he has a flamethrower K, just high heat on Julio Rodriguez, and. Yeah. I think he taught this rookie, welcome to the big leagues with, with that flamethrower K. And Liam Hendricks, like, whether you're a rookie or not, like he strikes you out, you're going to walk your ass, want a complete 180, walk your ass back to the dugout. Like, because he will yell. Yeah, so absolutely. Don't pick a fight with him. Absolutely. So, in this game, uh, Kyle Crick, Jose Ruiz, Kendall Graveman, and Liam Hendricks, White Sox bullpen, all handled business, kept the Mariners in check. And Hendricks ended up getting his second save. The White Sox won 6-4. to four. But uh, as you said, Robbie Ray's pitching line, 6-3, uh, 10 hits, 6 runs, 6 earned, 2 walks, 4 strikeouts, but 3 home runs. Really cost the Mariners the game. And uh, Dallas Keuchel did all right. But uh, that was Game 2 in the rain. Game 3 on Thursday, April 14th, Chris, it was... Uh, Two young guys going at it. Uh, Logan Gilbert for the Mariners and Jimmy Lambert for the White Sox. Um, Jared Kelenic hit a two-run home run, uh, uh, just a, a laser to uh, the right field um, foul pole and clanked it for, an, for a nice uh, home run. But, uh, oh, my goodness. What happened in the, in the bottom of the second, Chris? was pretty comical because this game was windy in the Windy City. And uh, yeah. Adam Engel hit two pop-ups. The first one was on the third base side. Eugenio Suarez and J.P. Crawford were chasing after this, but the wind pushed a routine pop-up all the way to, like, almost the the Martin dugout. Jack. Yeah. All, all foul, foul, uh, foul, foul lines. Yeah, but, oh, okay. but on the dugout side, like... Uh, past third base and the right. wind was just pushing this ball in the air that they ran as fast as they could Suarez and J.P. Crawford but it fell f- to the ground so the very next pitch Adam Engel hit another pop up but straight up and the Mariners catcher uh, Cal Rally had it in his glove but he bobbled it because of the wind so back to back plays these wind bobbles were just hilarious to see and Adam Engel actually reached second on that second one. He pretty much got a double out of it. But uh, the, the wind was so strong. Apparently, it was like the windiest game ever at, at Guaranteed Rate Field. Damn. Which is pretty surprising because Chicago's really windy all the time. And then, as I said, Adam Engel reached second. The next batter, Jake Berger, hit another pop-up, and J.P. Crawford bobbled that one, too. And Adam Engel ended up scoring on that play to make it a 2-1 White Sox. 
But uh, I will give the Mariners credit. Logan Gilbert with his he has long hair. It was blowing the whole the whole outing. He was out there. He uh, pitched really well through five innings, and he was producing out still, even with all those bobbles. But uh, just one more. Uh, I think you'll find this funny. Um, Mitch Hanniger hit a pop-up as well, and Leori Garcia bobbled it, but he actually managed to throw Hanniger out because Hanniger ran to second, and Garcia threw it to uh, Tim Anderson, who ended up tagging Hanniger out. So the oh, White Sox, okay. the White Sox actually uh, took advantage of a bobble, but uh, oh my goodness, this whole sequence, Chris, was just hilarious because it happened in, in an inning and a half. All these bobbles, very windy. This this uh, reliever for the oh, just real quick by the way, the, the Mariners because I was the first two games I watched the White Sox broadcast. This third mm-hmm. game I watched the Mariners broadcast when when uh, Hanniger got. A tag that second after the Leori Garcia bobble, the Mariners broadcast was just lamenting their bad luck and they were just like, oh, we're cursed man. today. But uh, after that, Andres, Andres Munoz came in for the Mariners. He ended up throwing a 102.8 mile per hour pitch that, yep. that was recorded as the fastest pitch in Mariners franchise per stat cast. But, in uh, the stat cast era. Yes. But uh, yeah. He uh, dealt Andres Munoz, and apparently he's coming back from Tommy John. But uh, to resume the scoring, uh, Cal Raleigh uh, hit his first home run in the top of the seventh to make it 3-1 Mariners. Mitch Hanniger hit a two-run blast off Jose Ruiz to make it 5-1 Mariners. And this uh, uh, last little tidbit here, Julio Rodriguez had two, ga- uh, two Ks in the game, but with these two strikeouts, they were called strikes, but these two pitches were clearly, sorry, Clearly out of uh, the the box, and I wanted to see. Do you think that's just teaching a rookie? Welcome to the majors, because these things were clear ball uh, balls, but they were called the strikes, and he got two Ks worth of uh, yeah. bad calls. But maybe it's just to teach the rookie, huh? That's that's the majors for you, right? But uh, in the reverse of the first two games, uh, Munoz, striking writer Castillo, and Paul Seawald shut down the White Sox batters. The Mariners end up winning this third game, five to one. Logan Wil- Logan Gilbert got the win, but uh, yeah, the Mariners salvaged a uh, a win in the Windy City, beating the White Sox in windy city conditions for that third game. Nice, but even after all that, I think the. Uh Mariners are still in first place. Believe so. Yep, with nine and six record right now. Yeah, because um, this series was about a week and a half ago, but uh, since then the White Sox have just been getting yeah. injured and hurt and not looking like the White Sox anymore. Yeah, because they were in first when the series ended in the Central, the White Sox. But ever since then, they've fallen off a table, and uh, the Mariners have been playing good ball. Yep, those were our series that we have picked. We have new series that we'll be watching um do you have a series yeah um for this well i don't know if it's you know we're trying to go week by week here and stuff has been happening as you said at the beginning of the episode but uh this upcoming week uh end of april i will be watching the three game series between the new york mets and san francisco san francisco giants i thought it was cardinals 
Oh, my mistake, my mistake. The New York Mets at the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, okay. My mistake. Which I'm also going to go with an NL uh, series, which is the 10-5 and five Colorado Rockies having a four-game set in Philly, uh, which are 6-9 and nine right now. Nice. But <laughs> they have a four-game set, which... I, here's my here's well we talked about it before we started recording but here's my reason why I chose this series for one Rockies are 10 and 5 and it still turns out that they're in third place in their division uh-huh. which of course they're only separated by half a game but still I mean it's still very crazy that they're in third place with a record of 10 and 5 but the reason why I'm picking them in the Philly is because depending on what goes on with the Dodgers and the Giants Obviously, we don't have any of their series on our picks, so we're not really... I mean, we'll know, but we're not really focused on what's happening. But if the Rockies potentially sweep the Phillies, they go up to 14-5, and five, and the Phillies drop down to 6-13. and 13. Uh-huh. So, or if it goes the reverse, if the Rockies get swept, they drop down to 10-9, and nine, which potentially puts them in fourth place or last well no probably not last but in fourth place without a doubt and it puts the Phillies up 10 and 9 which could potentially put them to second place or first depending on what your the Mets do against the Cardinals yes so I'm very interested because for some reason the Rockies just decided to hey we're the uh Rockies and we can win <laughs> So it, I don't know what I don't know what it is. Maybe it's Chris Bryant. It could be Chris Bryant. I mean, dude, I'm a you know everyone knows I'm a big believer in morale. And you have a guy like that in your clubhouse, like I don't know. Maybe players have a certain way of thinking now that now they want to win, and now they're gonna win. So that's the series I'm gonna pick. The Rockies will be playing Philly. It's at Philly, so that's. The one thing, but again, like playing in another team's home doesn't really matter anymore. But I mean, I, I'm interested to see if the Rockies could pull it off. Even if they uh, split the series two, that still puts them at what 11 and or 12 and seven, still a winning record for the most part. Um, but I'm I'm very interested. It can go either way: swept, split, three-one. Who knows? But that's the series I'm picking. I'm going with the Colorado Rockies against the Philadelphia Phillies in Philly for four-game set. Alrighty, and um, as I mentioned before, I am picking uh, my series, which starts. Um, let me see the date here. On uh, this upcoming Monday, April 25th, the New York Mets at St. Louis Cardinals for a three-game set, but uh. The Mets, as of this recording, are eleven and five, and the St. Louis Cardinals are nine and five. So, two first place teams, as you said, right? In, yeah, in the National That's, League. Yeah, that was because I was gonna pick them as my series pick, but then seeing that the Rockies are going against the Phillies and their little situations going on, I'm like, I think I'm gonna pick this one. But the reason why I was gonna go with the Mets and the Cardinals at first was the reason I told you before we started recording was they're both in first place in their own division, so. It can go either way. Absolutely. An early season division leader matchup. Yeah. And then the fact that the Brewers are only a half game behind the Cardinals, that that could play dividends on what's going to happen. But again, it 
it's early. It's way early, but it's always fun to try to like see what could happen because um, I was listening to a podcast, a baseball podcast, of course, and one of the hosts had said, and I firmly believe it, that you can lose the division in April. <laughs> you for sure can lose the division in April. It can it can run away from you, and you'll never see first or second again. I agree with you. So this is fun because not only are we seeing competitive matchups, but um, with what we're doing here, we're watching teams that we don't usually watch, right? Which I'm enjoying. But uh, it is very fun. I'm looking forward to these two particular series because there's some good AL series this upcoming week. Particularly your Red Sox at the Blue Jays and yeah, we're gonna lose. the Blue Jays at the Astros later in that week, but um, or the Astros in Toronto, I believe. But um, still, this could be a, a fun week, and I'm looking forward to seeing how both these series play out in the NL. Yeah, but uh, you know what? Now that I'm looking at it, let's let's just go over division leaders real quick. Go for it, and then we'll get into another little uh, thing that we can have a little discussion about uh, that happened in. Um, during the Padres and Giants game. Alrighty. But let's go over a quick division. Which uh, which league do you want to start in? Let's start with the American League. American League. Okay, we'll go. We'll we'll start with the AL West. Uh, we have the Mariners sitting in first, nine and six. Angels in second with eight and seven. Athletics in third, eight and eight. Astros in fourth, seven and eight. Rangers in last with uh, at five and nine, and we have the AL Central, which is right now is a complete joke. Twins are now in first because they just won. I just got an occasion of a walk off home run by Byron Buxton, <laughs> so they are now in first. They're no longer tied at seven and eight with the Guardians. They're now in first at eight and eight, which is weird. They're a five hundred team in first, which is weird. <laughs> But they're in first. Guardians are in second, seven and eight. White Sox are White Sox and Tigers are tied right now for uh, third with six and nine. Royals are in last at five and eight. And then right. AL East, whatever. Um, <laughs> I can break down the AL East if you want me to. Uh, I got it. We have the Blue Jays and Yankees tied in first for ten at ten and six. Tampa Bay Rays uh, second for nine and seven. Red Sox in third at seven and nine, and Orioles in last place at six and nine. But okay. um, one thing that's a fact in all these divisions for the AL anyway, all the teams are separated by no more than three and a half games. Yeah. So that's why it's just very early. Anything can switch. A four-game series sweep can push a team to first place, or a four-game series loss can push a first-place team to last place. Yes. So anything can happen. Um, let's jump to the NL. We'll start with the, you know what? Let's go with the NL East. We'll start with the East this time. Let's do it. Now with these game separations are very different, but NL East, we have the Mets in first 11 and five Marlins in second at seven and eight Braves in third at seven and 10 Phillies in fourth at six and nine nationals in last at six and 12. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, NL central. We have the Cardinals in first uh, with nine and five, Brewers in second with nine and six, so a half game separates them two. Uh, Pirates and the Cubs are tied in third with seven and eight, and the Reds 
horrible dead last at three and thirteen. They have the worst record so far in Major League Baseball. That is a terrible football record, three and thirteen. That is horrible, and that's a full season in football. Well, now not anymore. They have seventeen games, but, but still, yeah, that that's horrible. Um, NL West. This is the interesting one. L.A. Dodgers in first with ten and four. Giants in second with eleven and five. Uh, Rockies in third with ten and five. Padres in fourth with ten and six. And then Diamondbacks in last place with six and nine. All of them. Well, the fourth four teams are separated by no more than one game. So free for all. No one. Yeah. No one saw this coming. No one definitely saw the Rockies in the mix this early. Usually, they'd be the ones that be in three and thirteen. To be quite honest with you, yes. And this this brings up the point that you mentioned earlier, like the fact that the Colorado Rockies are ten and five as of this recording can really play out in many ways this season because we expected Los Angeles, San Francisco, and San Diego to compete for this division, but the fact that the Rockies are in it too can make all the difference for not this d- division, but also wild cards down the line. Yeah, that's true. So very, what very you, true. So what you just said will will come into play. Just watch with these Rockies. Yep. So I don't know. I mean, if they keep it up, that's great. If they don't, then maybe it's just a short-lived thing. Uh, luck ran out. But if they keep it up, they could potentially be in a dogfight with a wild card spot between... Maybe the Padres. Well, at this point, with anybody, but at yeah, they, in the future, probably with the Padres. Yeah, and, and they could play spoiler to a number of teams in the NL. Yeah, so I mean, you never know. They're ten and five now, five games above five hundred. So, but anything can change. It's still way too damn early, but it's just crazy to see that the Rockies are in that mix in the NL West, which they haven't been in a uh, while. Last time they had a wild card spot was what in twenty eighteen. I think so. I read seven. I think it was eighteen. The yeah, I ha- think it was eighteen. The Javi Baez hugging Nolan Arenado game. Yeah, yeah, that game. Yep. <laughs> Still jealous. Game. Yeah. Still jealous of Javi Baez, by the way. But uh, yeah, that was the last time they're in a wild card spot. And but we'll see how it goes. Again, still way too early. But uh, um, the games that separate these teams are way different than the AL. Like I said before, only no more than three and a half games separate the AL teams. Uh, you got all kinds of game separations for these guys. I mean, just look at the Reds. They're three and thirteen, seven games separating for first place. That's rough after and only two weeks. So, like I said, like if you can lose the division in April, and right now Reds look like they're out. But right. still early. You never know. Absolutely still early. They can go on a on a win streak like the uh, Cardinals did last year. And surprise everybody. Granted, yeah. it was a wild card spot and they lost, but, but still. you never know. You just never know with baseball. But that's Way why too we, early. That's why it's 162 games. Absolutely. And that's why we love baseball because that, that possibility will still remain. Yeah, I love getting hard attacks in September. I love it. I love getting hard attacks in <laughs> September. And I got plenty of them last year. Yeah, and um, obviously, um, as we're recording this, there's games in progress, but still... Yeah, that's as of right now, uh, Sunday, what is it, April 24th at 4.30 Central Time. Mountain. Mountain Time, sorry. It's all good. But uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I think uh, this first two weeks is a good indicator that this season might not be already what most people predicted about this season. No. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. Again, these are my, my two months, my look-ahead months, kind of look at the team, see what's going on. 
as of right now, there's really no clear cut like World Series favorite right now. Not in my opinion. No. Like, of course, you can look at power rankings all you want and maybe World Series picks for everybody else. But as of right now, it, it's anybody's game. Like, no one's running away with any um, uh, division yet. So I agree. Maybe the Reds, they're in last place. Like, <laughs> much. But that's what the league is looking like so far with the standings. But um, I want to get into something that happened in the San Francisco game against the uh, Padres. And on that note, something that happened yesterday with the Nationals against also with the San Francisco Giants. Uh, before you start, um, I have been watching about half of the Nationals games. Uh-huh. But, but the national games I don't watch, there always seems to something happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These first two weeks. But uh, so let's get into it. Well, first, I want to ask your opinion. Uh, what's your views? Quick one on unwritten rules in baseball. I believe a good number of them are worth adhering to because... The game of baseball, as you said, has not just these unwritten rules, but sort of traditions that have been around for a very long time. It's a sport with the most unwritten rules. Yes. I think it has the sport with the most unwritten rules ever. But it uh, it goes in hand to, I think, just part of being uh, gamesmanship and to a degree, uh, gentleman agreements. But that doesn't make every unwritten rule you know, the law and you have to follow all of them, but there's certain ones that are, I, I like more than others. Right. So in the Giants Padres game, uh, Giants were up 11 to two in the sixth inning. Hey, don't remind me. <laughs> and that for what? Beating my nationals that no, bad. No, no, that's Giants Padres. Oh, my mistake, my yeah. mistake, my mistake. Um, Giants were up eleven to two in the sixth inning, and I'll just get one thing out of the way first before I actually give my thing about this. No lead unless you're the Pirates, losing twenty one to zero. Whoa! Recently was it yesterday? Yes, Today? yesterday. No lead is ever safe in baseball, no matter the inning. I don't care what anybody says. No lead is safe. That is a was it? it's a nine run lead. Like anything, teams can do it. It's been done before. We've seen it. it I have seen it. Red Sox have done it. Nationals have done it. So it you can't tell me that it, it cannot be done. Law all only some teams can do it. No, any team can do it. Any team can just have a fire lit in under them and all the bats get hot for one inning, maybe two, and they're just now it's a. And now it's a tie game. Yeah, you know, there's there's a football saying, any given Sunday, well, I think any given ball game in baseball. Pretty much. And you know what? Just Yogi Berra, game's not over till it's over. So I want to get that out of the way. No lead is ever safe. Um, but um, Bob Melvin, which is now the manager for the Padres, which I love, by the way. Mm-hmm. Old guy, veteran dude, like in there with, the young Padre team. I love Bob Melvin on the Padres, by the way, as their manager. Yeah. If he, I, I'm, I, I'd probably pick him for manager of the year. If they have a good season. I was going to say that's early. Yeah. But, uh, but, um, but again, Bob Melvin was upset that, uh, Mauricio Dubon bunted for a hit while the giants were up 
11 to 2 in the sixth inning. Uh, a lot of players were upset. A lot of fans were like, why are you doing that? You're already up um, by nine already. So there's really no need for that. Now, again, what also goes into unwritten rule, when Otani was throwing a no-hitter, I think, or was it a perfect game? Yes. Uh, it was a perfect game. Yes, I think he was throwing a perfect game and uh, against the Astros, right? And that one other, I, I don't know who the player was, but he was bunting for a single and the entire crowd booed him. And this was in Houston. Yeah. So, un, unwritten rules, in my opinion, some of them, some of them play like the little ones, like don't step on the foul lines. As I said, don't you know, run on the pitcher's mound when you're walking off the field if you're an infielder yeah, or an outfielder. As I said, gentlemen agreements. Like don't don't cross over home plate when you're coming off the third base side dugout going into the left-handed batter's box. Everyone knows, like kind of knows that you walk around uh, the the umpire and the catcher. Don't cross home plate. Yeah. Like there's little unwritten rules like that, but those have nothing to do with playing the game. I okay, granted, like. I don't believe in I'm going to bunt for a single to break up your perfect game or to break up your no-hitter. Uh, well, to be fair, no-hitter and a perfect game, completely different. Perfect yeah. game, there's only 23 of them. Yeah. No-hitters, there's like, what did we say like in our latest episode, like 300 and something where I was like shocked. <laughs> a lot. But yeah, there's a lot. So, bunting for a base hit in a perfect game, I get it. Okay? Like, you want to break it up. You want to shake up the pitcher. Am I for it? I No. You're not for it. No. Okay. But it it I think it comes for me with circumstances. Like if my team if we're getting a no a perfect game thrown at us and the score is let's say 3 or less runs mm-hmm. different, obviously 302010, then like I'm I'm sorry, but we're going to go for a win. Yeah. But if it's like five or more to where a, a grand slam is not going to put us ahead or even tie the game, then then what you're doing, you're going to get drilled. You're going to get drilled. Now, in the Giants thing, bunting, obviously there was no no-hitter in play. There was no perfect game in play. They had a substantial nine-run lead, and he's bunting – I don't get the whole bunting thing. I don't even like bunty to begin with. Like, like <laughs> you've mentioned this a lot. I can hit dude. Like <laughs> unless like, unless there's like a little bit of strategy in play, but there's no strategy in this. You have a nine run lead. Like, what are you doing? Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not disagreeing. Like, Oh, it's unwritten rule. Don't bunt. We're up ahead. No, I'm disagreeing with like, why the hell are you bunting? Like, what are you doing, <laughs> dude? Like, that's what I would say. But aside from the whole thing, that's what happened. And then Gabe Kapler had responded saying, and I quote, we're not trying to run the score up on anybody. We're not trying to embarrass anybody. We are fully aware of what the unwritten rules are. We just don't think they apply here. I Hmm. love that quote. I love that quote. I can see why. I I love that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I consider myself a very competitive person, but I'm also, I do admit that I'm a very, I'm a, I'm a sore loser. When I lose, it sucks. I hate losing. I hate losing more than I love winning. I understand. So 
I understand that. So, and then he also said, um, in a later quote, he said, if we don't want a team to bunt, we will defend the bunt. If we don't want a team to steal, we will defend the steal. If we don't want a team to swing 3-0 late in the game, we'll throw a ball. Now, that's another one that I love. It goes back to years ago with the whole Tatis thing in 2020. Mm-hmm. Swinging 3-0 and hitting a grand slam when you're up. I don't care what the score is. You're there. The hitter is to do a job. Yeah. Okay? Now, it, again, if you don't want if you don't want him swinging 3-0 then the pitcher needs to not to get to 3-0. I don't care what anybody says. Don't get to 3-0. Throw a strike. If he if you throw a strike and he hits it for a bomb, then okay, that's one thing. But yeah. don't go to 3-0 and then everybody knows when you get to 3-0, it's the bat stays on the shoulder and it's an you're, you're going to throw a strike. Yeah. And so don't get to 3-0. And ooh, Aaron Loop um, but don't get to 3-0. That's my thing. That's why I loved when that happened with, with Tatis. Um, of course, I don't like care that much about him. But when Trevor Bauer had said, he's like, don't stop throwing it, swinging 3-0. Yeah, I remember that's, that. That's, that's my view and that's my opinion on that stuff. Like, I don't care what the score is. I'm there or the players are there to do a job. They pay me to hit homers. They pay me to hit doubles. They pay me to get on base. So that's my job. I'm supposed to catered to the pitcher and not swing 3-0 so I don't hurt his feelings? Bullshit. Yeah, And of course, that's coming from me who's a pitcher guy. Yeah. But no, bullshit. Like, you're you're a competitor as a pitcher. You need to get competitive and make competitive pitches just so you not get yourself in those situations. And it's it's simple as that. I understand where you're coming from and I respect your... um your viewpoints on this, I for the most part agree with you, but I kind of don't mind bunting, but bunting in that type of situation, say you're in a two, one elimination game in the playoffs. And yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that. I get like, it's part of the strategy strategy. I can't talk. I can't say anything. Yeah. The strategy, but the part of the strategy. And of course, playoff baseball is different. Very different. Oh my God. It hits different. It plays differently. Like, Starters are coming out in the bullpen to finish the last two outs or the last two innings. So I understand that. But in regular season baseball, like especially April, early season yeah, baseball. April, like what are you bunning for? Like, what are we doing? I, I understand what you're saying. I, I agree with you. I think that there's just a time and a place for this stuff. It doesn't have to just be black and white, good and bad right and wrong i think yeah. certain it fits certain situations way better than others yeah so not not just the bunting but everything you just discussed and you know i respect your opinion i just believe that if you're in a jam or you're in a tough situation and you give up a costly play you just have to accept it you know whether you give up a 3-0 grand slam like you said don't yeah. don't get in there in the first place but even if you do and you give it up that's not you. That's not on the batter. Yeah, you can't say no. That wasn't supposed to happen. Absolutely, no like it. Anything can happen in this game. Like, give me a break. Absolutely, but it's like when you're bunting in an early season game. The only excuse I can really come up with that is like maybe you're trying to just get in form, you know. But that's not an excuse. But I'm just saying you're trying to implement certain strategies that you want to carry on later in the season. But it still doesn't give you the absolute right to bunt with a huge lead. 
or against a, a perfect game, you know? Okay. That's how I feel. Like I said, there's a time and a place for all this. So you, so you didn't like Gabe Kapler's comments? I, I, I respect them. You, yeah, it's one thing like, okay, I respect him, but you don't necessarily agree or like, like, it's not, not like what he said, but like, you don't like, that's not what you have said. If you were the manager, that's not what you would have said. No, it's not that I didn't like what he said, Chris. It's just that I understand his viewpoint. I also stand the, understand the counter viewpoint. Okay. For the given situation. It's not that I, as I said, if I agree with you or not, it's just I understand both sides. That's why I'm saying there's a time and place for most of this stuff. It's just uh, better in certain situations than others. But right, because mo- there's tackiness with all this stuff too, not just unwritten rules and like yeah. I said, yeah, for sure, gentleman agreements. But sometimes there's this really tacky stuff, which I can bring a really good example. We saw a couple days ago in the New York Detroit series that we'll talk into more detail later, but. That would be another example because, you know, class and tackiness are part of this too. So yeah, it varies situation by situation. But I understand and respect um, Kapler's um, view. But like I said, I know, I know I know the counter view as well. So yeah. So uh, still speaking on unwritten rules, it happened again, not in the same sense, but with one of the same teams, the Giants again happened with the Nationals. Um, uh, one, I guess he's an infielder, Escobar for the Nationals. Alcides Escobar. Yes, Alcides Escobar. Nationals, I guess, were upset because uh, one of the Giants players, uh, he has a first name I can't pronounce, Estrada. Uh, Thigo? Uh, Thyro? Yeah, Thyro. Yeah, T H A I R O. Yeah, Thyro. Thyro Estrada. He tried to steal second and score, being up six runs in the ninth inning. Now, and that was with two outs. And that's what I'm going to say here. Now, that I'm not too upset about as a Nationals fan. I can see why Escobar was upset. But uh, they're, they're just trying to get in the form, in my, in my opinion. Right. Now, uh, I didn't mean to stop you there. But now, as I'm watching the clip, or when when I saw the clip, what makes it a little differently, he was already he was going for a steal. That's okay. That's one thing. Now, it turned out to be a little bloop, shallow uh, left center. Um, I do believe he ran out there at was either shortstop or maybe their third baseman. Well, he ran from the infield regardless. Yeah. He ran from the infield, tried to make the play overhand catch. Uh, it fell in the infield. So my thing is, if I'm the runner, why am I not going to try to score here? Yeah. You, you missed the ball. Like if you caught it, then, well, I'm, I'm caught up now. Now I'm out at first. Absolutely. Cause people can criticize what we're saying and say, Oh, you have double standards, but the Giants are just playing ball. Right. Like, That's just classic. Well, they missed the ball. I'm going to freaking run. Like, yeah, I'm going to run. I'm going to try to score. He was out. But and then he was still a, like Escobar was upset. Like, well, what, probably like, what the hell are you doing there? Like, you're up by six. But see, six is not big of a, a run difference, though, even if it is uh, top of the ninth and it's at home. Obviously, the Nats get to bat. Absolutely. Two outs. But six runs. And nowadays, baseball is nothing. That can go away in one inning without an out. It can change. So, absolutely, I didn't agree with Escobar being upset about this. Okay? For one, it's... And I don't care which team it is. Like, even if the team is in last place or and they're playing a team that's in first place. But, I mean, it's like... Especially if it's like later on in the season. 
like there are teams still fighting for like their division. For an example, um, the Dodgers and the Giants last year. It literally came down to the last games of who's going to play who. Yep. Or who's going to be in the wild card game and who's going to have home field advantage. So in those cases, like I want to win. Yes. So, and I granted, I know it's very early. It's April baseball. It's surprising that this is happening in April. Usually this type of stuff happens in July or late even season, in October, uh, uh, September. Yeah. Late season. But again, no run or no, not no run. No lead is ever safe in baseball. That's what a lot of people don't understand. And I think it's younger fans that be like, no, don't do that. You're going to hurt his feelings. The hell with the feelings. It, and no lead is ever safe in baseball. Yeah, and not just younger fans, but uneducated fans that don't yeah. know the history of this game. And, yeah. And that's why um, I agree with you. Like, I understand why Escobar was upset, but the Giants were just playing ball. And it could mean the world of difference. But you're professional. That's what you do anyways. There's yeah. no, You know. They're not, not only professionals, competitors. They're competitors. You're there competing. Yes. So you can't pick and choose when... You like unwritten rules and like or unlike unwritten rules. Yeah, when you don't like them. And I, I absolutely agree because this is Major League Baseball. This is not T-ball and mercy rules. This is professional. High school has mercy rules. Yes. I think, does college have mercy rules? I don't think they do. I can't really remember off the top of my head. Well, I'm pretty sure D1 college probably doesn't have mercy rule. Yeah, because it's, as I said, it's not about double standards or what about this, what about that. It's just... You know, the old Herm Edwards in football, you play to win the game. Yeah. And it's not just the wins and losses, but like it's just part of the game. And like you said, you can't have double standards and you can't apply one situation versus another because they're all unique and they apply in different ways. And there's a time and place for all of it. But I have no problems with what the Giants did because they ended up sweeping us anyways. (laughs) So... Um, good on them, but you know, play the game. Yeah, all outs, all plays, all innings. Play the game, and I guess it can go into a little thing that happened. I guess now since we're on this subject of unwritten rule stuff and when to pick and choose these things. Uh, first off, we'll just congratulate Miguel Cabrera on three thousand hits. Absolutely awesome. Uh, against the Colorado Rockies, and I love that Jose Iglesias went up for a hug on that guy. That was great. It was, it was all good. I saw uh, it live. Over 500 home runs, now has 3,000 hits, triple crown winner, MVP winner, batting title champion, World Series champion, what was it, 03? Yes, Florida, like, Florida Marlins. Yeah, and he's a Hall of Famer now. So First shit. ballot. He's got nothing else to do now. Oh, can I bring up uh, real quick uh, some cool little facts about Miggy's a 3,000 hit. Oh, what's that? First of all, he's the first uh, Venezuelan-born player to reach 3,000. Oh, I think I saw that. Um, nice. As you said earlier, he had a, or you just mentioned, a 500 home runs, 3,000 hits. He's one of seven men to accomplish that. But he has the best career average out of those seven men. Yeah, was it 310? I believe so. Or it's pretty That's high. Pretty high. <laughs> and he's the third Tiger to reach uh, 3,000 hits after Ty Cobb and Al Kaline. And this really... Wow, Al Kaline? Okay. Yeah, he reached 3,000. I think he has 3,007. I could be wrong. Al Kaline, who passed away about a year or two ago. Rest rest, uh, well. But um, really funny uh, 
A fact about uh, Cabrera's 3008. He said he couldn't feel his legs at that first at bat. <laughs> like it, it was hitting him when he was walking up or like he, he already felt it. He knew yeah. it, it was time. And that hit was classic Miguel Cabrera opposite um, uh, hit, but through the defense and just congratulations to him. And um, I'll admit, I haven't watched a lot of Miguel Cabrera throughout the years. I've always respected his game, but his approach is so unique because the way he adjusts to pitches during the at bat is very, very impressive. Yeah. It really is. His approach, like some people are calling him the best right-handed hitter of all time. I think. And not all time, our generation. Well, I, I don't know about all time. I know, but everyone's got their opinion. But he's yeah. he's really well regarded. Ooh, okay. But uh, yeah, well, I know you wanted to bring up another fact that's not um, Cabrera's doing with his three thousandth uh, no. hit chase. But it was a game. I was watching it. Of course, I'm I'm split on this. Okay, for one, it involved him, 3,000 hits. Oh, oh, and then one thing I do want to get out of the way real quick, uh, if he would have hit that for a home run, he's another guy that if I caught it, I'd give it right back to him and not ask for anything. Yeah. Like, here's your ball, dude. It, it's yours. And if he had hit 3,000 with the home run, he would have hit his 1,000th as a home run, his 2,000th as a home run, and oh, his 3,000. Oh, I 3, saw that, yep. But oh, that would have been so good. Still, 3,000 still amazing. I, yeah, still. But go ahead. But, um... Uh, back to uh, one of the games where uh, he had a chance. He was at uh, 2 He was playing the Yankees. Uh, it was in Detroit, obviously, in Detroit. Um, Aaron Boone walks him on his last at-bat in the eighth inning, and the crowd boos like there's no tomorrow. I don't think Aaron Boone will ever be not no. just welcomed warmly at Comerica Park ever again. No. Which, okay, now, here's the thing. You know what? Hold on, hold on. Give me, give me one second. But here's, here's the thing, because I need to pull up the the uh, score of that game. Go but, ahead. But um, here's the thing with that, okay? For one, I'm a Red Sox fan. I don't like the Yankees. Yes. Okay? Uh, and, of course, in my... View Aaron Boone, that's a little soft. That's a little like, eh, why'd you do that? You're a bitch. Like, ah, <laughs> uh, why, 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 why'd you do that? Um, but it turns out that they were only, the Tigers were only up by one. It was one zero. Okay. So they walked them because they didn't, they walked them. To make the bases loaded, so yeah. they can, of course brings in the force out at home, which means well brings the force out at any base, brings the force out at home, so they don't score another one, so to keep the run uh, separation to one. Yeah. So that I get. Do I? Am I going to agree that he made the right move as a manager? Yeah. Did he make the right move as a as a baseball fan? Like do this this one time no yeah. but another, I'll bring up another thing Miguel Cabrera up to that point he was 0-3 he, he had, was he had three chances so again I'm I'm giving my opinion that oh he's soft whatever but then again it's like he had three chances and it didn't even work out in the end uh, um, 
Austin uh, Meadows. Walking them, yeah, because Austin Meadows hit a blooper and it scored two runs and they won 3-0. Yeah. So it really didn't make that much of a difference. And and Cabrera um, was just happy they won that game. Yeah, and he was even telling the fans, he's like, don't like, don't worry about it. Look at the score. It's 3-0. Like, he put his fingers up. 3-0. It's 3-0. We won. And uh, they even asked him, he's like, what do you feel about that? And he's like, I didn't care. My batting, uh, my on-brace percentage went up. Yeah. Like, that's that's cool to hear. It is. But, um, of course, as a baseball fan, you're like, oh, give the guys hit. Give them a chance. But, of course, as a, like, uh, like no, this is the game of baseball, as we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. There's certain moves that you got to make. Of course, this one didn't go his way. No one was going to know that was going to happen anyway. But there's certain moves you got to do to try to, you know, limit the damage. So, did he make the right move as a manager? Yes, he did. I hear you. Did he make the right move for us fans? No. Hell no. The hell are you doing? But he got his hit the next game. So, and I know Miguel Cabrera wanted to do it against the Yankees. That would have been nice. I know he did. I wanted him to. I would have loved to get my 3,000 hit against the Yankees. Yes, I wanted him to. But that's the whole view on it. We'll leave it at that. He made the right move as a manager. A soft move as a, uh, for the fans or blah, blah, blah. I hear you, but allow me to uh, respond. Um, I absolutely understand where you're coming from. You make really good points, but I'm going to take the low road on this. And Aaron Boone, you are a wuss for doing that. I could use a lot of different words, but you are just a wuss. And that's how I feel about that. (laughs) But congratulations to Miguel Cabrera. That's what really matters. He's the... Part of the 3,000 hit club, and he oh, des- yeah. he deserves that. That's oh, yeah. what matters most here. And then I was looking at different numbers, and we're really far away from the next player to possibly hit 3,000. Yes. We're probably about maybe over five years away. Probably. We're pretty far. Um, Juan Soto, who I just absolutely love, if I haven't mentioned that before, is one-sixth of the way there. He got his 500th hit the other day. Nice. One like sixth of the way. Will, you know, I'll ask you. Do you think he'll get three thousand? Yes. Being the player that he is. Yes. You think so? Yes. You can check back. They in gotta about, stop walking his ass. Hey, so he can hit. You're right. <laughs> stop but, walking Juan Soto so he can hit. You're right. But uh, it goes back to what you just said about Cabrera. Hey, my on base percentage went up, so that yeah, ma- that true. matters too. But I'm saying it right now. Juan Soto will be part of the three thousand hit club, but it's going to take about ten to twelve to maybe thirteen years. Ooh, but he will. Yes. Thank you will. Okay. Yes, you uh, record this now in in 2034 to 2035. Yeah. 35. He will be part of the 3000 hit club. But yeah, that's a whole little thing about unwritten rules in baseball. Things that happen um but one thing that could have happened that I wish someone did not do it was Clayton Kershaw tossing a perfect game now i said earlier in this episode there's a difference between a no hitter and And a a perfect perfect game game. yes perfect game is no hits no walks no errors no score no hitter is you could have an error you can walk two guys and you can still throw no hitter yeah you can hit a batter yeah you can hit a batter whatever but a perfect game there's 23 of them ever and Clayton Kershaw was throwing a perfect game through seven, through seven, 
and Dave Roberts takes him out of the game. That I did not agree with. I did not like it. Leave him in. I don't care if it's early in the season. Now I'm kind of like backtracking on what we were saying before. Oh, it's early in the season in April, blah, blah, blah. No. In this case, it's freaking Clayton Kershaw. He's got everything a pitcher can want except a perfect game. He right. has a no-hitter. I think right. he has two. I think so. I think he has two. But he doesn't have a perfect game. Give him the damn perfect game. Now, because of that, he might not ever get that chance again. I don't know. He's still pitching really good. Yeah, he is. You're right, I'll though. I'll give him that. But he might not get that chance again because he signed one year with the Dodgers. Who knows if he's going to come back next year. I but Dave Roberts, you made the wrong decision there, dude. I'm sorry. but And it doesn't happen that often. Give, give him what he wants. And I know... I think Clayton Kershaw, I guess, in the end, like, wasn't that upset about it. No, he's... Oh, we got to save. Okay, and, and then here's one thing that Dodger fans are saying. And then this is the comment that I don't like. It, okay, give me a break, dude. Like, shut up again. It's it, we're early. It's in April. It was like, we got to save his arm for the World Series. We got to save his arm for the postseason. Okay, first off, you don't know if you're getting there. Okay? <laughs> May, chances are you probably will. But, again, you don't know if you're going to get there. Okay, give me a damn break. Okay, yeah. Screw his arm. Give him the perfect game. <laughs> I don't care. Now he goes out with everything a pitcher has, except a silver slugger as a pitcher, which he probably won't get anymore because they have the DH. Yeah. That's probably the only thing he doesn't have. Does he have a gold glove as a pitcher? I bet you he does. I do not know. Because but well, maybe that he maybe he doesn't have a gold glove and a silver slugger as a pitcher. But yeah. other than that, he's got everything already. Granted, sixty win, uh, sixty game World Series, World Series ring. Whatever, but he has <laughs> he has everything as a pitcher already, man. Like no, he is fuck. I hated that he pulled him out. I hated it. He, I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. He's one of the greatest pitchers of this generation. Greatest and, lefty of this generation. And like, oh he, my god, I think he deserved a real chance to get that perfect. But uh, he did say it was the right decision. He understood Dave Roberts, and you know he respected it. And, you know, cool. You know, move on to the next start, which he did, and he's still. Pitching really well, but you're yeah. right. Those opportunities are so far and in between. Dude, they... Oh, it like, would have been ba- really... Non-baseball fans don't understand that perfect games don't just come around like that. And by the way, there are 24 perfect games. Andres... 24? No, you're... Officially, there's 23, but Andres oh, Galarraga... Diamondbacks! No, the... The Tigers, I think. Tigers, the, Tigers. Yeah, on, we're on, gonna, that's a perfect game. I don't care what anybody says. Yes, yeah, so, so there's 24 it, to me and you. Yeah. But uh, Andres Galarraga in 2012. That's true. But anyways, yeah. um, it would have been so nice to have seen Kershaw get this perfect game because he, that's the only crowning jewel crown jewel that he doesn't have. The only thing he doesn't have. He even has a triple crown in pitching. Yes. Like, what, what are we doing? Yes, he is just like a couple centimeters short, Screw the arm. short of Sandy Koufax in terms of legendary pitchy, he's pitchers, up you know? There, man. Yes. He's up there next to him on the Mount Rushmore of Dodgers. Yes. He's they, up there. To me, they're pretty much inseparable other than a couple things here and there. But like, perfect game would have been oh, so man. cool. Uh, yeah. So I, one, I agree Dave with you. Roberts, you made the wrong choice, my friend. I'm sorry, man. But. Damn, screw his arm. Put him on the 120-day IL. I don't care. <laughs> okay, and then rehab him for your World Series, supposedly. But, fuck, man, give him his perfect game. Do I think he could have done it? Yeah, I do believe it. But now we'll never know. 
We're never going to know. And that sucks. Yeah, a big missed opportunity. But oh, uh, man. we'll see what happens the rest of the season. We'll see, man. But um, this so far, this episode has been heavily baseball. It pretty much will be. Uh, next episode, which is episode number 10. That's, that's awesome. Episode number 10. Uh, it'll be uh, very hobby heavy. Pretty much all hobby related because that's pretty much what I have on my notes. But uh, I want to get into probably the last thing that we're going to talk about for this episode. All right. And it is what happened yesterday. Saturday, April 23rd? Yes. Okay. Okay. Happened yesterday. Now, I had, I didn't, I didn't watch the game, but the moment it happened, I had to backtrack and watch. So this is, this is what happened. So, uh, first off, Stephen Kwan, Indians rookie, killing it on the field. Yeah. Outfielder, left fielder. So, uh, Yankee Stadium. I'll set the stage real quick. Yankee Stadium. They now don't have COVID restrictions. They have, you know, all their fans can go there if they want. Yeah. Okay. So that's the one thing. Um, they were down. Um, feel a ball was hit left center. Stephen Kwan made an effort for the catch. Almost made it. He slams face first into the outfield fence uh-huh. into the wall. It's but remember, it's not a wall. It's got projector. And it's got a fence video screen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like a video screen. And there's a fence right in front. Yeah. Now, granted that fence doesn't have protection like these walls do. So he slams his face. He gets cut up a little bit. What do the fans start doing? They start chirping at him, praising that he got hurt. Yeah. That's one thing. And then after that, uh, um, Oscar Mercado got upset and ran to the to the to, to the wall started yelling at fans and then uh Miles Straw climbs the fence starts chirping at the fans again face to face I like that face to face he climbs the fence didn't throw anything didn't didn't uh move his hands anywhere nothing he climbs the fence starts yelling at the fans they start throwing up the L sign they stole up the little like putting their hands like like oh you're a pussy blah yeah. blah that happens so Runner on second, Glaber Torres is up. Uh, Glaber Torres hits a ball to right center, walks the, off the game. In the gap. and uh, In the gap, Kiner, walks off the game. Kiner Falafa scores a winning run. Right, and he scores a winning run. The moment that happens, the moment the ball, and I wrote it down because I was like, that is so ridiculous. Absolutely. Is the moment the ball hits the grass, and you know it's a base hit, game over. Oscar Marcado gets a beer thrown right at him. Yeah. You can see it on the corner of the screen. If you look at the replay, it flies right by him. And now trash and beer and drinks, all kinds of shit gets thrown out on the field. Yeah. The moment it the moment they win, Yankee fans are throwing beer and trash garbage at their own home field. After they just walked it off. Yeah, and it's a regular season game, by the way. Regular season game. No, I don't care what game it is. You don't do that shit. Like, chirping at players is one thing, okay? But, like, there's a certain... Even the chirping at players, there's a certain extent to what you do. You don't talk... You don't be saying, like, 
Like you can say like, oh, fuck you, judge, blah, 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 all you want. Okay. That, that, that goes with it. But you don't start like going a little bit personal about it. Like, Hey judge, your mom does this, this and that to me. Like she lives at blah, blah. Okay. Like, okay. Now you're pushing it, dude. Like relax. Okay. You don't know him. First off, he's like seven foot. He'll knock you the fuck out. Okay. That's one thing. Okay. So that's chirping. Now, now you're going into the realm of you can potentially harm these players by throwing. And I was looking at the the highlights. They're not throwing like no styrofoam cups or plastic cups at them. They're throwing those metal beer cans and the bottles, dude, glass. I think glass bottles, man. I didn't like, even know they sold glass at Yankee Stadium. I don't think so, but they look... I might have to look... They probably don't, but I might have to look. But some of them look like glass bottles. Or even just the, the beer cans, the metal beer cans. The The moment you're going to hit somebody... And granted, this isn't the first time they threw something at somebody. They threw right. a baseball at Alex Verdugo last year, and I was at that game. Right. So, it's happened before. And I understand, you know, different teams have done certain things. But this, the fact that it's... The Yankee fan base throwing trash onto their field after they just won is ridiculous and beyond their that's embarrassing. I can't even think of I can't even like cuss them out or nothing because it's like that's embarrassing. Like that is just to show you that that fan base does not know how to act right. <laughs> they don't. And I know it's right field, the right the right center field, where the bleacher creatures, right fielders fear us. I get that, okay? But, like, don't be throwing shit on the field, man. Like, yeah. what are you doing? That's embarrassing. Now, like, what's, what's that going to look now? Like, now all opposing right fielders are going to be now, like, having that joke, like, Oh, are you going to throw something at me? They're going to look back at the fan like, oh, you got a beer can? You're going to throw it at me? Yeah. Like, oh, I made I made this catch. You're going to throw something at me? Like, and I get it. Like, of course, like, I look both sides. I did a whole bunch of stuff. Of course, Yankee fans are saying, well, you got to look at both sides of the story. Like, oh, come on. Miles Straw climbed the fence. Okay, he climbed the fence because, for one, you're chirping at a rookie who got smashed into the wall trying to make a catch and he's hurt. And you're proud that he's fucking hurt. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? I don't like, care. Who wouldn't get mad? That's his teammate. That's his friend. That's his rookie teammate. Damn right. I'm going to climb the fence and I'm going to say something back to you. Like, no, nah, screw you. Like, who the hell you think you are, man? I don't care who you are. I don't care if I'm an athlete. I don't care if you're a fan. Now we're human beings. Now you're we're now we're going to speak on a human level. Like, I'm going to go up to you in your face. So I, I, I get that. They're saying, oh, look at both sides. Travis Shaw, uh, uh, Miles Straw didn't throw anything at him. He didn't throw a single punch at him. All he did was climb the wall and yell at the fans. Okay? That's one thing. Now, later on in that inning, walk it off. Now they start throwing shit. I'm, I'm, I was, oh my gosh. Like, I was surprised that Marcato or Miles Straw didn't go up to the, to the stand and start throwing hands. Like, otherwise, well, yeah, they probably would have gotten suspended or, Find lawyer, lawsuit, blah, blah, blah. But the fans are throwing shit at him. The moment you throw something and you hurt a player, now you're looking at lawsuits. Like, what are you doing? What are, what are we doing out there in the Bronx? Like, you've got to be kidding me. And that this isn't me just saying it like... As a oh, Red Sox. Yeah, like, oh, you're a Red Sox fan. You hit Yankee, blah, blah, blah. 
like no like like I said before earlier in the episode I'm I love winning I'm a competitive person I hate losing but I'm not gonna throw shit especially after I just win like what what the shit like what are you doing yeah and you, and that is no unwritten rule either that's just being, no that's not unwritten rule that's that, just that's being a good human being and being you know respectful of the game but that whole like Yankee thing happening and like like that that's just ridiculous and then um Miles Straw by the way had a quote and uh he says classless worst fan base on the planet <laughs> and you know what it's like maybe he's probably right like are you kidding I thought I thought there were worse fan bases in other sports like the Eagles fan base or the <laughs> the Cowboy fan base or the Laker fan base like but no like Yankee fan base is in a realm all on their own like after that that's just ridiculous that's unacceptable that's embarrassing and all those fans that were throwing shit like they shouldn't be allowed at, at, at Yankee Stadium anymore. I absolutely agree with that. Because that, that was just ridiculous. Even I was like, wow. Like, that's just a new low. Yeah, that's d- a really new low. I absolutely agree with you. Can I speak on this? Go ahead. Go ahead. You are absolutely right. And I give a ton of credit to Mercado, Straw, Judge, and other Yankee players who will stop that. After oh, that's right. You know what? I'll, I'll give that credit because Judge and Stan did go up there and like doing like the whole like hand on their throat thing. Like, what are you all doing? Like, stop. Like, what are you doing? And like, that's even more embarrassing. You're having your star players tell you to to calm down, keep your hands to yourself. Like, that's embarrassing, man. Like, come on. Yeah, it's completely unacceptable. But all the points you hit, but that doesn't belong in any sport. Because no, 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 no sports. Yeah, because I'll just make a few references. You don't, you know, there's no, like you say, there's nothing wrong with chirping, but and even though the personal stuff is like really tacky and really yeah sophomore. There's a certain extent to chirping, like I don't, I don't know. I know me, I don't do it. I mean, I've been gone to many major league baseball games, but I've been to plenty, you know, uh, here triple A games. I'm not that much of a chirp type person. No, but it's like. What's the point? Like, I don't even like the whole, like, like, I know I say it when I'm watching it, but like, I never do it like at a game or nothing. The whole, like when they're chasing like a pop-up or whatever, Oh, drop it, drop it, drop it. Like, even no. though I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I find that doing? annoying. Yeah. Like I, I, I know I say, you've heard me say like, Oh, I hope he drops it. Well, that's like that, one time. There's like, a difference. You're yeah, not shouting at the top of your lungs yeah. trying to mess up a play. But it's like, I, I don't know. There's like certain things that trip. Of course, chirping is part of sports. Yes. Part of sports. Okay. Your goal as a fan is to disrupt the opposing team. That's yes. the point of chirping. Yeah, but there's a difference, you yeah, know, like there's a, there's a difference. Like I don't appreciate any of the sophomoric and in my opinion, just schoolyard BS that we see at, at sport yeah. events. Yeah. Because you don't, you know, not just throw stuff onto the field. You know, you don't throw stuff on the basketball court. You don't throw stuff on the football field or the soccer pitch or the hockey rink. To Nothing. disrupt Nothing. the game, you gotta respect the game. You don't throw stuff at the wrestling or boxing ring either. You know, it could be any given sport. You gotta because all those fields of play and arenas are sacred, in my opinion. 
and you can't disrespect the player's space and their their safety for for crying out loud because beer bottles and trash is just completely unacceptable. No. And you know, I don't have, you know, the Yankees have such a reputation in sports that, you know, I know several good Yankee fans that are really good people. Oh, so, yeah, we both do. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not ranking on the Yankee fans, but those Yankee fans that threw that shit, they, not only should they be banned from Yankee Stadium, but it's like, that is completely unacceptable. Yeah. And like I said, I give Mercado straw and, you know, judge credit, but you don't do that. Because I've been in those situations where it gets rowdy in the stands and even with people who support your own team, anything can happen at these events. And it's just complete BS because it's not just people drinking, it's just people being stupid. And it has no place in any professional event at all. And it's like I've had people behind me throw stuff at me. on you. Yes. And like, yes. Yeah, you told me that story. Yeah, in in Arizona, but they were really uh, at the Arizona Cardinals Stadium, but there were really cool and friendly Arizona Cardinal fans right in front of me. So I had both ends of the spectrum, even though I was a visiting, uh, you know, a visiting fan, you know, supporting the opposing team, but it has no place in any sporting event. And like you said, this is just a complete low. It's a bad look. The Yankees did not have a good week. I don't care how many games they won this week, but the Yankees just had a really annoying ass week and it's just you know be better do better yeah in terms of the fans and it's like yeah just uh completely unacceptable and you know i give credit to like those people because anything could happen we could have the whole malice in the palace like ron artest back in the day in detroit and it's like that, that doesn't need to happen over you know really nothing in my opinion yeah because you're right. It doesn't matter what game it is, but it's just like it doesn't belong in any game and it doesn't belong in the stands. And, and the thing that just made it worse, the Yankees won. The Yankees walked I, off I at feel home. Ba- what are you doing? Like, I, maybe you can not understand, but be like, like, oh, like, oh, now they're just showing off. If it was like, um, like if they won, like, in another like place. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like that's just made it worse that you won. You just walked it off and now you're going to throw shit. And the other thing that was stupid is that it was from right center. Like the chirping and all that stuff came from left center. So it's like, what? So now those right field fans are going to follow suit from those left field guys. Oh, they were chirping. Nope. Our turn. We got to throw shit. Like, no. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's completely stupid. And I feel bad for Glaber Torres because, yeah, he's still celebrating. Yeah, his moment ruined. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> his moment was completely ruined because I believe Glaber Torres is really fighting for a spot on that roster still. He because is, man. Like, he, like he, fans are have their way with him. Like, they want him gone. They want him traded. Like, damn. Yeah, because, like, you know, I like Glaber Torres. He's one of the few Yankees I like, but, you know, he has been struggling. And that was a good moment for him, but this completely took it away from him, even though... You know, they still got the win, but still, like, I'm pretty sure Glaber is, like, what WTF, you know? like Yeah. I mean, like, and then, like, I know I saw, like, a lot of comments, a lot of posts saying, like, oh, those fans don't represent all Yankee fans. Right. And, and I agree with that. I I know. 
Because I know Yankee fans. Your family has Yankee fans. Yeah, not to that extent. But I mean, but, I know Yankee fans, but I know that those fans don't represent all. I know that because not all Red Sox fans represent me. And I, I know and I know that. So I understand that. I'm not saying all all Yankee fans are bad or scum or whatever. I know I posted yeah, Yankee fans are the scum of baseball. Like, because they are. Evil empire, right? But it's like, I understand that. That those particular fans that were throwing shit or that were saying, you know, those type of things to, uh, to Stephen Kwan about, oh, you got hurt. I don't know what was said, but from what... The uh, Cleveland's players were saying that they're like cheering that happy that he got hurt. I'm like, what the sh- like? What are you doing? No, there's no space for that at all. No, like nobody, no fan of any caliber should ever wish ill on any player, whether that's their own or opposing player in any sport. No, I'm never gonna wish ill on Garrett Cole or Stanton or Judge or any of those guys. Never because. For one, that's just unsportsmanlike. It's bad karma, and it's just, like, wrong. There's no place for that in sports. Such man. a like, bad look. No, but, like, this whole throwing trash on the field, your own home field, after you just won because you want to give it to the players and Miles Straw and Oscar Mercado nah. that we just whooped your ass. We're going to throw shit at you. Nah. Like, get that shit out of here. There's no, there's no room for that. We need, we need to get... We need, Need to stop. That shit needs to stop. Cut that shit out. Completely unacceptable. And as I said earlier, doesn't matter the sport. Respect the players and respect the field of play. Yeah. So, but I hope, I hope those fans, I hope they get them. I hope they're never allowed at Yankee Stadium ever again. Because that shit, for two years in a row, dude, like, come on. But leave it at that. I'm pretty sure. No, I'm confident that fans won't throw stuff in the fields this year ever again. But chirping goes on. It won't stop. But that type of shit. No, no room for that. Completely unacceptable. Nope. But I think uh, I don't know if we have anything else to go on, but that might do it for episode number nine. Yeah, Great episode. And it's, it's fun to. Continue this, and I'm just enjoying the season in general, and I'm looking forward to more good baseball. Yeah. Um, great episode. Very baseball heavy, of course, because we kind of missed a lot in about over a week. But um, next episode, episode number 10, which is a good milestone. Great milestone. Episode 10, baby. Uh, it'll be strictly all hobby related because I do have one thing I want to touch on, and I think we can probably... From this subject, uh, the story that I found, we might be able to just to feed off each other and, you know, go into some hobby stuff. Let's do so, it. It's a pretty good thing, which it's kind of been around for a while, but um, that'll be on episode 10. has to do with hobby stuff, hobby cards uh, in general, not just baseball, just hobby in general. So we'll get over it, give our opinions on it, give our takes on it. But um, again... Uh, our series watch for this week is going to be my is the Rockies versus the Phillies. And you uh, have the New York Mets at St. Louis Cardinals. Sweet. So, again, next episode, probably episode 11, we'll go over to see what they look like. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So, thanks again for listening to episode number nine. Um, and 
stay tuned for episode number 10 and we'll see you guys in the next one adios